This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Skolarsip, and it is Tuesday. Big week ahead. Big game ahead. U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifying in Cincinnati. It's been a few years since the last time these teams met in the U.S. in World Cup qualifying. Five years, to be exact. It's kind of crazy to think about that. It's been five years already since that. That loss in Columbus, the 2-1 loss, when Mexico finally got the better of the U.S. on American soil. Things have changed a little bit since then, at least in the recent times. You know, the U.S. won the Nations League final over Mexico and the Gold Cup final over Mexico. So they've got a little bit of a run going against El Tri. But World Cup qualifying, as we know, is a different animal altogether. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but this episode, we'll be touching on a few other things, including MLS Decision Day. Big day, big day in MLS. Some crazy action, some uh, dramatic finishes, and uh, some teams that uh, saw their seasons end, maybe earlier than anyone expected, including both teams from LA. We'll be talking about that. We'll also talk some Americans abroad as usual. The U20s are in action on Wednesday. US Brazil under 20s. It feels like forever since we saw a, a US youth team in action. But you could see the likes of Kate Cow, Caden Clark, Justin Che, Gabriel Slanina under new head coach Mikey Varus. We'll touch on that a little bit. But first we are going to start with MLS decision day. And uh, Sunday was uh, was pretty dramatic. It was uh, it was what you know we we kind of have come to expect from decision days. I'll give MLS credit. As decision day usually has some fireworks. Usually has some teams with some drama, some some finishes that uh, you know <laughs> that live long in the memory. And I can tell you what uh, it's it's not a, this decision day is not going to be a day that will will be remembered fondly in Los Angeles. As we saw both LAFC and the LA Galaxy eliminated from playoff contention. And uh, I got to say, I don't know how many people would have seen that. Obviously, LAFC came into the season with high expectations. The LA Galaxy under new head coach Greg Vanny started the season so well. Chicharito scoring goals. Defense looked looked like it was fixed. And by all accounts, you know what? When the season, you know, a month into the season, you're looking at it, you're like, you know what, LAFC and the Galaxy are going to be a handful in the playoffs and neither make it. And credit to the teams that did make it. Starting with Real Salt Lake with the dramatic stoppage time winner to secure their place in the playoffs and knock out the LA Galaxy. The LA Galaxy tied Minnesota United 3-3. That was enough for the Loons to get in. But the Galaxy, it wasn't enough for them. And of course, there had to be some controversy. Because MLS isn't MLS without some controversy, without some questionable officiating decisions. And rest assured, the folks in LA and the folks in Kansas City are taking issue right now with the fact that the RSL Kansas City match was decided in part by a blown call. A blown non-call. Justin Glad with a handball, a pretty clear handball in the penalty area that should have produced a penalty, didn't produce a penalty. VAR reviewed it, determined it wasn't penalty worthy. 
And then the uh, Professional Referees Organization came out this week and said, our bad. We got it wrong. We missed it. Justin Glad should have been called for a handball. Should have been a penalty to Sporting Kansas City, who have who's made a, a team, by the way, that's made every penalty they've taken this season. And uh, as much as I know, I think I saw David Ochoa tweet something like, oh, you know, he, he would have saved it anyway or something. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't referring to the, uh, the potential penalty. Maybe he was referring to the potential shot if the handball hadn't happened. Whatever the case may be. But right now you have some gripes because the Galaxy, that play cost them the playoffs. It cost them a spot in the playoffs. And to be clear, that alone didn't cost the Galaxy the playoffs. Their season, their lack of results, down the stretch particularly, is what cost them their playoff spot as much as that one play. And you don't want to have your season come down to a play. And you know how you do that? By actually having a better season. So, you know, they, they do have a gripe, to be clear. But just, you know, pump the brakes on the whole, our whole season was ruined. Like, no, listen, your season was not great to begin with. Started great. Had some, some great moments. Some great stretches. But at the end of the day, it was a disappointing overall season for the Galaxy. But, they do have a they do have a claim. They do and and even more so I think Sporting Kansas City if you think about it if they get that penalty and they convert that penalty and they win that game. That game is a different game because then you know you don't even get the Demir Krylock uh stoppage time winner. Sporting Kansas City is, is is sitting in first place in the Western Conference. But bad calls happen and in this instance it costs two teams at least. And one team that definitely did what it had to do was the Colorado Rapids. They absolutely smashed LAFC on the last day. And it, it's interesting coming into the into decision day, LAFC, it, it, you know, everyone just, you just, we all just kind of assumed, I don't want to say all, but most of us assumed LAFC would, would get in somehow. They'd find a way. Uh, you know, Christian Arango obviously comes in, starts scoring goals, scoring goals every single game. And, and you know what? It felt like they were going to get in. But they had to win in Colorado, and and it was easy for people to gloss over the fact that it's not easy to do. It's not easy to win in Colorado. Only one team had done it all year. And this Rapids team is a good team. It it hasn't really sunken in yet that this is a very good team. Robin Frazier's done an outstanding job bringing that group together, rebuilding that team in two seasons where they went from being one of the worst teams in the league to being a team, one of the best teams in the league without the star power, without the big money signings, with a lot of young players coming into their own. And they did it. They handled it. They just, they just they demolished LAFC. And I, I know LAFC had, had their challenges. They had injury issues. Obviously, you lose Eddie Segura for the year. You sell Diego Rossi. But it was just, there's no other way to say it. It was a disappointing season for LAFC. And the crazy thing about LAFC is, for anyone who's watched them play. I can't think of how many games I watched LAFC play where they played the better soccer. They created the better chances. They 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 looked like the better team. But didn't get the win. And I know, look, style points isn't what matters, right? I get it. I get it. 
anyone can say that. But they are absolutely a team that I feel like their point total did match up to the quality of soccer that they actually did produce. And they still have those themselves to blame. A lot of defensive issues there. And to this day, it still looks pretty bad that they got rid of Walker Zimmerman. I know they went and got Eddie Segura. Eddie Segura was great. But Walker Zimmerman's been unbelievable. MLS Defender of the Year caliber for a couple of years now. And I and I feel like they never they never really recovered from that. It's not just about that. There's a lot of other issues there as well. Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela, obviously, <laughs> missing the lead there. Carlos Vela missed a lot of the season injured. That's that was obviously huge. Any team, and you know, there aren't many teams in the league that can that can have their best player miss most of the season and do and you know still do as well as otherwise as you normally do. That just doesn't happen. But it's a rough year, and I know people are already going to start talking about. Oh well, is it time for Bob Bradley to go from LAFC? Listen, Bob Bradley is still one of the best coaches in MLS. It's not as if there weren't issues with this team in terms of the injuries, in terms of, look, Diego Rossi, I'm pretty sure, had his eye on Europe for the the entire time he was here before he ended up leaving. So I don't think we saw Diego, Diego Rossi at his best this year. And obviously the defensive issues, it, 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 really, it really punished them in the end. And the injuries. And I know that's a lot of excuses because they still had quality and they still played well. That's the thing that's crazy when you think about it. For those who who have watched or or do normally watch LAFC, they play well. There were so many games when you're like, you know what? How are they not winning? And again, good teams win. Good teams find a way to win. And LAFC just didn't find a way to win. The Rapids, on the other hand, consistently found ways to win. And when you think about the Western Conference, right? Seattle Sounders were the, the king of the West for much of the season. The runaway pick, the team that, you know, most people would say is the best team in the West. And guess what, folks? They are still, for me, the best team in the West because guess what? They have their full squad back mostly. They have all their big guns back. And sure, they don't have the top seed in the West. Credit to the Rapids. Rapids did what they did. They, you know, full team effort there to grab, to get the number one spot. But Seattle Sounders is still very much the team to beat in the West. Don't get it twisted. They got Rui Diaz back, Ladero back, Jordan Morris back. I mean, come on, Jordan Morris missed all the almost all the season with with his injury from his time at Swansea, but he is back. So we'll, you know, let's not go forgetting who is the favorite. Seattle's the favorite heading into the playoffs, but you can't ignore the the Rapids. You can't. I feel like people have ignored the Rapids all year, and it's easy to do, right? Just because they don't have the star power, they're not in one of the biggest. Of, of markets in terms of big time coverage. And I, I mean, to be fair, not, not many MLS teams have a ton of coverage, but it's easy to get overlooked a bit. But they've done a great job. And I'll tell you what, Robin Frazier, I know Bruce Arena's name has been chiseled on Coach of the Year since June, probably, with, the, with New England just putting it all together in a record setting season. And I get that, right? I mean, he's done an amazing job. He deserves all the credit in the world. For, for rebuilding the Revs from laughing stock to the record-setting team they are now. He deserves all, all the credit. But coach of the year, for me, is about a coach who does more with a team than expected. 
And whoever does that to the highest degree, for me, is coach of the year. I had New England having a good season. I had New England as a potential MLS Cup contender. I think I had him in the top, my top four coming into the year. Did I have him setting an MLS record for points in the season? No. Did I have them winning the Supporters' Shield? No. But they were one of the better teams coming into the league this season. I, I mean, for me, I had them there. Colorado? Who had the Rapids' number one seed in the West? Who had the Rapids finishing with the best record in the Western Conference this year? Who? Tell me who. Out, who outside of Denver? Who outside of the greater Denver area? Would have called that one. Nobody. And if you did, props to you. Show me the receipts. I'll give you all the credit in the world if you, before the season, had the Rapids finishing first in the West. So I can't imagine many people had that. But credit to the Rapids, and I'm very I'm looking forward to see what they do in the playoffs. Now, to be clear, great season, great team. Robert Frazier's done a great job there. They are a bit of a young team. And you know how it goes. With the playoffs, you need that experience. You need to, you need to actually go through it. So I don't really see them making a run, but we know how it goes. You write a team off, and then they'll prove you wrong. I don't see them winning, but they're going to be fun to watch. And it's going to be great to see a young team evolve and go through that experience of the postseason. Now, the rest of the Western Conference playoff field is set, and the Vancouver Whitecaps got in. They have made it in. They're the sixth seed. Real Salt Lake, the seventh seed. And the, the, the Whitecaps, I'll tell you what, they deserve major credit for, you know, you get a, you have a coaching change. And, and I, I was on record saying I didn't get it. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was justified, the coaching change when it happened. I didn't, you know, I thought Mark DeSantos, uh, I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't get the point. I didn't get why they would make that change. Now, they made the change and the team responded. Whitecaps responded, full credit, Vanni Sartini. The interim coach, the the charismatic coach, the the, the king of the post game speeches, uh, the man who's brought back the tucked in button down jeans fit, uh, he's done an unbelievable job. Credit to them, they get the sixth place. And, and Brian White, when he was with the Red Bulls, you know he did, he found a way to score goals, and people kind of thought he was a system player, but not that he could do it. He could really do that anywhere else. Guess what? Brian White's done it somewhere else. And now the Whitecaps go into the playoffs with some momentum, with some confidence. They're an interesting team. It's hard for yeah, it's hard for me to kind of get a read on them because you know what? They they make things happen. Are they do they do they play the the most attractive style? They, they, that doesn't matter. If you make things happen, you 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 force teams into mistakes, you burn teams on the counter. If you find a way to win, you then that's all that really matters. And the Whitecaps found a way to win. They're in. They're the sixth seed. Credit to them because they've done that. You know, I, I didn't have them making the playoffs this year, even with Mark Santos as head coach. So for them to get in as a six, credit to them. Get both of them getting in. Whitecaps and Real Salt Lake getting in ahead of the LA teams. Who would have saw that Eastern Conference and the, the fireworks were tame, relatively speaking. I, I think the the big the big headline here. Obviously, New England had the Supporters' Shield locked away a few weeks ago, so the, that was a little anticlimactic. But how about the Union fighting their way back up to the number two seed? Credit to Jim Curtin. Another excellent job there. Nashville in at the three seed. NYCFC, has they've regained that midseason form. 
that has them once again looking like one of the better teams in the league because they had that funk where they they had I think it was like one win in nine. Uh, the Red Bulls kept beating them or getting taking points off of them, and, and things were not looking great for Ronnie Dyla's team. But guess what? They eventually snapped out of it. Tati Castellanos could not stop scoring, wins the golden boot, and credit to Tati Castellanos, great year that he's had. And I know it's interesting, he hasn't been the subject of much MVP discussion. His name hasn't really been in there, even though he was pretty consistent with, with his production this year. So I think he deserves some votes. I don't think he's the winner. Carlos, for me, Carlos Gill is still the winner. But NYCFC, they are going to be, they're going to be a handful. They're going to be a handful because their attack is clicking. They have a solid defense. And how about this? Anton Tinnerholm, they lost for the year. I believe with the Achilles injury. And when that happened at that point, you're kind of like, oh, this season's toast. They're losing their 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 standout right back. Their their attack's not working. They're done. And guess what? They they have figured it out. Their defense is still pretty solid. Sean Johnson, I don't think enough is said about the season Sean Johnson's had. I think Sean Johnson had himself a very, very good year. I know Matt Turner most likely wins uh, goalkeeper of the year, but Sean Johnson, this might, this might actually be his best season. I, I think I don't know if that's a stretch to say. I, th- I think when you look at his consistency, the number of games that he really, really stepped up to save NYCFC, I think I think Sean Johnson had a best eleven caliber season on that level. But it's not. I don't think it's talked about enough. Now, the last three teams in the East, Atlanta, Orlando City, and the Red Bulls. Red Bulls, credit to them, they got the draw in Nashville. Not an easy thing to do. And uh, they finished edging out D.C. United. And again, they needed that point because if they don't get that draw, D.C. United finishes ahead of them. But the Red Bulls get that draw. They continue their impressive run in these last few months. And now they're in the playoffs and they face the Union. That How about that? Talk about matchups. Union Red Bulls, first-round matchup. That one's going to be a good one. And in Orlando City, Daryl DK continues to score goals, continues to be in form, and still didn't get called into the U.S. Men's National Team. We know why. We know why. Well, I, I think I know why. And I've, I've written about it on SBI just in terms of the profile of striker that Berhalter wants. He wants he wants a striker who can press and really is buys into the idea of, of press, pressing high from, from the top. Putting in that defensive work, but DK man, the way he is scoring goals, I don't know how you keep him out. And if he if he continues to do that, uh, we'll see if he we'll see what he does in the playoffs, and we'll see if he sticks around beyond the winter. Because I got to think that teams are going to be looking to, to pick him up in the winter, and we'll see if if they can meet if uh, they can meet the Orlando City asking price on DK, which was never twenty million. By the way, I thought that was always funny how that became a thing, the twenty million dollar price tag that really wasn't. But it is what it is. And Atlanta United, credit to Atlanta United, they are in. And they are in at the five seed, giving us a tasty 4-5 match in the first round. NYCFC, Atlanta United. How about that one? NYCFC comes in in good form. Atlanta's obviously, you know, feeling pretty good about themselves. Joseph Martinez with the beautiful goal, the winner for Atlanta on the last day. To give them the win, to move them into the five spot. And that's all the good news. That's all the positives from the East. The disappointment. Obviously, Montreal fell short after a really good start. But you know what? I would not call this season a disappointment for Montreal. When you consider Thierry Henry leaves right before the season, 
uh, Wilfred Nancy is, is is called on to take the job, and, and you know what? He hadn't had a head coaching job before. It wasn't clear how he would do. I thought they would do. I thought they would be terrible. Full disclosure: I thought Montreal would be terrible, one of the worst teams in the league. But guess what? They put it together. They had a pretty decent season. They fell two points short to two points short of the playoffs, but they were right there the whole way. And I give Nancy credit. Nancy did a pretty solid job there, better than I thought he would do. And we'll see how they build on that and go from there uh, and what Joey Saputo does to help take them to another level, to take them to that next step up to compete for to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Montreal, not a disappointment. A team that was a disappointment, the Columbus Crew. MLS Cup champions defending, well, reigning MLS Cup champions missed the playoffs by a single point. And they just, they ended up paying the price for giving away so many games in the summer, so many games in the middle of the season. And, you know, I know they had their injuries here and there, but it wasn't even that. The form wasn't there. The defensive issues bit them in the bit them in the butt. <laughs> and Caleb Porter, this isn't the first time he's followed up an MLS Cup winning season with a disappointing season. Don't know why, but... What we saw at the end of the year was that crew team again that, that 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 could be one of the best teams in the league. And I think that's – you can say that – it depends how you look at it because obviously Caleb Porter, when he looked at it, says, look, this shows we we still are a good team. We're not far away. We don't have to blow it up. That was the quote from Caleb Porter that, you know, they, if anything they showed in the last month or so that they ha- that they're not far away. And I see that. It will be interesting to see what they do, what tweaks they make, because they have a nice core there. They have a nice group of players there. Zelarayan, Zardis, Nagby, you still have Mensa, uh, Eloy Room. You have a solid kind of foundation there. So we'll see what kind of t- tweaks they make. But make no mistake, this was a disappointing season. No two ways about it. You're the reigning champions. You move into your new stadium. So many expectations. And they don't even make the playoffs. That that's a that's a hard one to, to to comprehend. And look, there were a lot of teams that didn't meet expectations. LAFC for one. But Columbus Crew, you probably argue, was the most disappointing. Just because they didn't have as many excuses as some other teams for a disappointing season. They just didn't do it. They just played badly for too many for too long a stretch. And then you have DC United. DC United fell short. But again, Hernan Lasada came in, and I think he did a good job. I think he he's he's set them on course in a positive direction, where for a long time they didn't have much direction. It didn't feel like there was direction there. And now you you feel like you have these young players like Pareda, Kevin Paredes, like getting the opportunity to blossom, and Ola you know Ola Kamara emerges as the striker that they were hoping that they could find that could deliver goals on a consistent basis. They've got some nice pieces there. They're not very far away, but they got they have to spend some money. They have to go add a few more pieces to really really contend. But I do feel like they did a good job as far as the coach Hernan Lasada did a great job. He's definitely justified the hiring because at the time when he was hired, it's kind of like, well, what's this guy's deal? He doesn't have any experience in American soccer. How will he adapt? He, he, he adapted pretty well, I thought. I know they fell short, but they actually had more wins. Crazy enough, right? DC United won 14 matches this year. Only three other teams in the East had as many. And only one team in the East, New England, had more. 
It's only one team in the entire Eastern Conference had more wins than D.C. But unfortunately for D.C., they gave away too many losses. They had 15 losses, you know, and that's I think that's a, the sign of a, a younger team, a younger team that maybe didn't that, you know, squandered some points when they didn't need to. Uh, and they, that's a learning lesson. That, I mean, that's a lesson. You learn it. And I think they're going to be better next year. Andy Nahar would have find would have would have a rebound season for him. I mean, really inspirational because I mean we're talking about a guy whose career looked like it was over. I mean, there was real talk that he might retire because of the injuries that would not get better. And what does he do? He changes roles. He's playing this kind of hybrid center backs attacking center back position uh, that he made his own. And credit to Lasada to 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 give him that role. And allow him to to maximize his abilities. Unbelievable stuff there. So there's reason there's reason to be optimistic in DC, even though they missed the playoffs. Much much more than a year ago. Think about it. If you're a DC fan listening right now, as disappointed as you are that you missed the playoffs, how much better do you feel right now than you did a year ago? At the same time, this time a year ago, it it was a dark time. I gotta say, I gotta. I mean, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but it felt like a pretty dark time to be a DC United fan. A year ago. Now, there's a little bit more reason to feel good, to feel uh, confident that better times are ahead. Just to run the playoff matchups for you, in MLS, in the Eastern Conference, you have Philadelphia Union versus the Red Bulls. You have Nashville SC versus Orlando City. That's going to be a very good one. Walker Zimmerman versus Daryl DK. I'm, 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 sign me up for that one. And then NYCFC Atlanta, which might be the best of the bunch in Yankee Stadium. Uh, interesting thing here, for so many years, MLS, the playoffs would start immediately after the end of the regular season. This time around, because of the timing of the international window, there's a break. These teams have some time to recover. There's a couple of weeks now before the playoffs kick off. So that's that's going to be you know definitely good news for some teams. Not so good news for teams that are riding really hot momentum. They probably don't want the, the break, but... It's going to give everyone a chance to settle down and really dig into these matchups. And there's some good ones. Western Conference, obviously, Seattle Sounders ended up the second seed. So we get the Seattle Sounders, Real Salt Lake, first round matchup. These teams know each other. Seattle be the big favorites, but RSL, they have that underdog thing to them. We'll see if they can continue to make things happen there. Sporting Kansas City. Facing the Vancouver Whitecaps battle of the teams in blue, two two very different types of coaches, but I'm looking forward to that one. I think that could be a that could be an entertaining one. And then Portland versus Minnesota, these teams they're they're like the cousins of MLS. They're you know they they're not rivals. It's like they're family. It's a weird one. It's a weird rivalry, quote unquote rivalry. But Timbers Minnesota, you gotta like the Timbers in that one. I think they 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 know how to win. They they take it up a notch in the playoffs, and. Obviously, you know, in the past, you know, Minnesota's been a little disappointing at times in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to that one, though. I think that one is uh, is going to be a good one. So, again, playoffs begin after the international break. Moving on to Americans Abroad. And Weston McKinney continues to play the best soccer of his career, in my opinion. I don't think that's a stretch to say. Stands out once again in another win. Juventus defeating Fiorentina and McKinney. Man of the match level performance, and he heads into the international break in outstanding form. And it's great to see. It's it's great to see him respond the way that he has responded to the adversity of what happened in September 
with him getting kicked off the the U.S. team, getting sent home. I know there was a lot. There were a lot of questions at the time, and and some people were just done with him. They were like, "Oh, this is it. This guy's he's got problems. He's not. He's not the real deal." Guess what? Wesley McKinney's responded. He's let his play do the talking. He hasn't really talked much since then. I know he's done some some sponsored interviews, but yes, he's not saying that much. At the end of the day, he's letting his play do the talking, and his his play is saying a lot. His play is saying. You must have forgotten that I am one of the best American players there is, period. And right now, he's the most informed American player on the planet. There isn't an American player playing better than him anywhere. And it's great. If you're Greg Berhalter, you're loving it because you are going to need him to beat Mexico. We saw what he did against Mexico in the Nations League. We know Tata Martino knows all about Wesley McKinney and we'll have him circled on the on the you know the scouting report. We need to find this guy. We need to stop this guy. But it's gonna be hard because Wesley McKinney is playing very well right now. He's playing with a lot of confidence. Dare I say a chip on his shoulder. Because I know it, it he didn't enjoy everything that he went through. I know he 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 took he took he kept down he took some notes. He kept some receipts on on people who kind of wrote him off, uh, who who took his mistake, who took his transgression and, and tried to turn it into some sort of, uh, you know, indictment into the person that he is. You know, oh, he's a bad kid. He's a bad this. He's a bad dad. He's not a leader. He's not this. He's not that. But guess what? He's just done it. He's just played. He's just put his head down. And not only is not only did he play well in October in the qualifiers. But then to go to Juventus, a club, by the way, who supposedly didn't want him. Remember the talk in the summer? Remember all the rumors? Allegri's not a fan. They're going to sell him. Tottenham, all, all the rumors. Juventus doesn't need him. They don't want him. There's no spot for him. He's not going to see any playing time. And what has he done? He's grabbed a starting role, and he's be- he's become, and it's not a stretch to say, one of Juventus's best players in this past month. And obviously, it's still Juventus is still working some things out. They're, they're not out of the woods yet, but they are starting to get some more results. It's still been an up-and-down season for Juventus, but McKinney. McKinney's done great. And it just ha- for me, I'm excited to see what he does against Mexico in World Cup qualifying. Because, you know what? He finds a way to step up. He finds a way to step up. And uh, I think he's going to do it again. Now, another player who I think could have a big November window is Gianluca Busio. And we saw what he did against AS Roma. He was impressive. He had a strong showing. Venezia uh, upsetting, shocking AS Roma, Jose Mourinho. And uh, again, another solid performance from Busio. I mean, talk about a player who... In October, he only gets the one appearance off the bench against Costa Rica. Looked good in the cameo. And at the time, it's kind of like, why didn't he play more? He deserved to play more. He's playing great in Italy. This is ridiculous. And then, of course, Yunus Musa has the game, you know, unbelievable game. And everyone's kind of like, okay, we get it. Yunus Musa is great. He's the guy. But all Busio does is continue to play well in Italy. He goes right back to Italy, picks up where he left off. He had the little bit of an issue where he took a knock. He had to come out of a game early. The next game after that, he played like two days later. Clearly not 100%. Had, you know, probably his worst performance since he's been in Italy. Still, like, not terrible, but not to his level. But then he eventually shakes it off. Gets back to playing the way we, you know, we've kind of come to expect from him in Italy. And he's playing great again. Greg Berhalter will have a tough decision to make in terms of who he starts in the midfield next to Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams is a lock. We know this. He's healthy. He's in form. He's the captain. I know Christian Pulisic's back, but Tyler Adams is the captain. Let's just let's just put that to bed. He's the captain. He's the leader. He's the he has the, he has those qualities of a captain. I know Christian Pulisic. You can argue best player, biggest name, person. You know he he should be the captain. He's been the captain. You know what? 
it's a nice problem to have, but for me, Tyler Adams is the captain. But back to the point. Weston McKinney in top form. Tyler Adams in top form. Who is the third midfielder? And I know what some of you are saying. Wait a minute. Eunice Musa. It's a no-brainer. It's a guarantee. Lock it up. He was otherworldly against Costa Rica. It's his job. He's too good. I hear that. I hear that. But we can't ignore the fact that he has not been playing for Valencia. He has not been seeing regular playing time. He hasn't started a match in the month since the October window. He's come off the bench. He's got some minutes as a sub. But he has not been a starter. And look, Valencia's a good team. You know, they like it's not easy. They've got talent there. It's not it's not an easy lineup to to crack. But if you're Greg Berhalter, and you have to you have to build a midfield to beat Mexico and to compete with Mexico's stacked midfield, you need someone in someone who's match fit, someone in very good form. And playing consistently. And Yunus Moose is not that right now. Gianluca Busio is that right now. And he's not the only one. There's another option. Brendan Aronson. Now, I wrote a piece for SBI. You can check it out. Talking about that. About this position. The options that Berhalter has. And there are some other options as well. Kellen Acosta. I know some people go crazy thinking of the idea of Kellen Acosta. But he's played against Mexico a few times. And done, you know, done pretty well against Mexico. He actually spoke to the media on Tuesday, which, you know, you kind of look at that and say, oh, maybe that means he's going to play. So it's a possibility. For me, Busio's played well, and I think he's he's played well enough to start against Mexico. But then you also have Brendan Aronson, which go read the article. I'll get into that more next episode, but go read the article if you get a chance. Of course, you have to subscribe to SBI in case you haven't know, haven't heard SBISoccer.com is now a subscription site. It isn't just subscriptions. You can read a lot. There is quite a bit of free content on there, but we also have subscriptions now, and hopefully you choose to to support the site by subscribing, and we're going to definitely do everything in our power to, to make it worth your dollar to subscribe. And one of the pieces we had on there was talking about the midfield option. And as much as I don't think Sebastian Legette and Kellen Acosta are our options ahead of the, the others I've mentioned. Only Berhalter knows for sure. And speaking of one player who is not among the options for Berhalter in November, John Brooks had himself a game, played very well for Wolfsburg in a 1-0 win against Augsburg. And what do you know? John Brooks playing well. John Brooks, dare I say, in good form. And I know Greg Berhalter, you know, he, he, he obviously took a lot of flack for leave, not only leaving Brooks out, but then pointing to the form as, as one of the, the, the reasons for it. And I wrote a piece for SBI that you can read now on the decision and why it wasn't really about form. And it's more about fit and more about what how Greg Berhalter wants his team to play in this November window. And Brooks maybe not being a great fit for that. That approach, that style. And I'll dig into that more next episode, but definitely go read the article if you haven't yet. I get into real detail on it, on why, you know, obviously John Brooks did have his struggles in September. There's no, there's no denying that. But I think that might have put him, put him in a different light in, in Berhalter's eyes, especially when Berhalter has some options. He has some center backs who can play the way he wants to play. And for that reason, that's why Brooks is out. And that's why, you know, it's not going to be easy for Brooks to get back in. However, if Brooks keeps playing the way he's playing right now, and he's looking like he's responding very well to the new manager at Wolfsburg, Florian Kofeld, former Werder Bremen manager, 
they've won three in a row since Kofel took over for uh, for Mark Van Bommel. And Brooks is starting to look 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 like Brooks of last year. And if Brooks finds that consistency again, if you because let's let's remember now, Brooks last season was unbelievable. He was a huge part in Wolfsburg qualifying for the Champions League, and he was consistently very good. If he can find that consistency again, when January comes around, it's going to be very hard for for Greg Berhalter to justify leaving him out because he's just he's just too good a center back. Even if he's not quite the profile, he maybe he's not as quick as he would like. Maybe he can't press high up and, and help them play a high line and compress midfields and all that. Maybe he's not as perfectly suited, but he's still very, very good when he's on his game. And it looks right now like he's on his game. So, unfortunately, he's not in the November squad. He's going to have to wait at least until January to get back into the U.S. team. Now, moving on to the U.S. under-20 men's national team. I can't remember the last time I had to say that, but yes, the U-20s are in action. They're playing in the Revelations Cup in Mexico. And on Wednesday, they will play Brazil in a match that's actually available on, I believe it's 2DN. But definitely check your, your listings, your local listings for where to watch. But you're definitely going to want to watch because it's going to be a U.S. team that's pretty stacked. You're talking Kate Cowell, Caden Clark, Justin Che, Gabriel Salanina, and others. And Mikey Varis is the new U-20 coach. And, you know, he's formerly of FC Dallas, assistant at FC Dallas, worked at FC Dallas for several years. And I'm very interested to see what this team can do, because let's just as a reminder for those who have forgotten the under 20 qualifying tournament next year, the under 20 CONCACAF qualifying tournament will serve also as the Olympic qualifying tournament. So everything is riding on that tournament from a youth national team standpoint. And we all know about the U.S. team's struggles to qualify for the Olympics, right? We get that. But here we are. You're talking about one tournament to qualify for the Under-20 World Cup and for the Olympics. And this age group, there's obviously a ton of talent. You're talking the players that I just mentioned who are on the roster for this tournament. And then obviously the likes of Giorena when he's healthy, Yunus Musa, uh, Gianluca Busio, Ricardo Pepe, Joe Scali. I mean, all these guys are eligible, I believe. Maybe not Busio. Maybe Busio's 20 now. I could be wrong. But so much talent in that age group. So much talent in the next Olympic qualifying cycle, Olympic cycle. And obviously, we don't know who will be available to play in these games. But this tournament is the first step toward that. So you're going to want to watch. And obviously, some of these players you already know about. Kate Cowell, Caden Clark, Justin Che. Selena, who really came on toward the end of the season, the Chicago Fire goalkeeper, who, by the way, said in recent interviews that he hasn't chosen yet national team-wise between the U.S. and, I believe, Poland. But it's good news that he's with the U-20s, helps to build those ties, solidify those ties. And look, does that, that it doesn't always mean that the player will stay with the program, as we learned from David Ochoa and, and Julian Araujo, but it's a good sign that he's there. So you're definitely going to want to watch that. Nice little precursor to Friday's big U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifier, USA-Brazil. And you know, look, Brazil's always got some young talent. So it's going to be, it should be a good game. So definitely look out for that. And I think that's it. I think we've touched on a few different things. Uh, Definitely my apologies for not getting this show out Monday. I've been pretty tied up uh, with uh, just working on the site and getting the site launched. As as you know, we, we launched a subscription setup this week. 
there's obviously going to be some some hiccups and some issues and, and we're working through those and definitely uh, thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far and if you haven't yet and you plan to thank you in advance and if you're still on the fence all I'd say is we are definitely working very hard and we will ver- work very hard to make the SBI subscriptions among the best values that you'll find and I get it there's so many things that you're signing up for these days so many things that you're subscribing for these days but times are, you know what at the end of the day times have changed and that's just the new kind of the new world that we're in right and i just need to be clear in saying that i wouldn't have done this i wouldn't have made this change if i didn't see it as really the only way that we can continue and survive as a website i would love to have just done what we've done forever and just have at you know advertising on the site and and make enough money that way to run the site and to pay writers and to just have a a, a functioning business but that that model is really kind is dying a slow but inevitable death and we made a decision i made a decision and hopefully it works out and definitely thank you to all of you who are helping with that and and supporting us through that process and it's definitely going to be a challenge but we're up for it and i'll be the first to say now just kind of now that we're in the midst of it now that it's begun it's a little bit different going from the old setup where you know what money just comes in you just write you try to have as many people read as possible there's a difference between that and knowing that your readers have paid directly to you as a site to produce and to provide them with content that they enjoy it's a different challenge. It's a, it's it's more it's more of a responsibility, and and it definitely for me I'm already feeling it. I don't want to let those people down. I don't want to. If you're a subscriber, I don't want to let you down. I want to. I want you to read articles and and say, man, that was great. I'm glad I have this subscription. So that's the that's what we're working with, and that's what's going on now. And you know what? We're we're working through it, and it's 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 not all the way 100 percent yet, but we're getting there. And uh, the SBI staff and I are, are going to be hard at work to, to to make it work. So definitely thank you in advance. And if you if you haven't subscribed yet, you know what? Give it a chance. And to be clear, a reminder, there is still plenty of free content on SBI, soccer.com. And some of the articles that are under the subscription formats will become available for free later in the week and later, you know, like, let's say we have a big, you know, I write a big story or a column on a Monday, you know, maybe by Wednesday or Thursday, it's available or a week later, depending on the article. So we are going to keep the site stocked with free content so people can continue to come, even though they're not ready to subscribe. You can read the articles, you can continue to comment, but for our subscribers, we are definitely going to, to work very hard to make that those those investments worth it and and that commitment worth it so again thank you and and definitely stay tuned as we continue to build on that and i think that wraps it up for this episode of sbi show i didn't touch on the nwsl playoffs the chicago red stars defeated gotham fc they've ended the carly lloyd the potential miracle ending perfect send-off unfortunately she fell short they fell short but still bravo carly lloyd uh there'll never be another one like her Red Stars move on. I, I think Thorns and Rain is what most people are kind of expecting. And you're talking about two stacked teams. Uh, if that ends up being the final, I'm definitely going to look forward to that. Although all four teams that are left are, are pretty good. So we'll see what happens in the NWSL playoffs. But I think that wraps it up for this episode of the SBI Show. Definitely thank you for listening. We will have another episode before USA Mexico to preview the match. It might actually be just two days from now. 
I know I always give days and then it ends up being a day later, but this time around, it kind of has to be Thursday. Could it be Friday morning? Potentially, but I'm really shooting for Thursday just to give you some time, give people some time to, to absorb our preview, our full U.S.-Mexico preview episode. But that's it. Make sure you stay tuned for that. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Calarsa. This is the SBI Show. Thank you.